Thanks for joining us today. We believe God's going to do great things in your life, and we want to hear about it. Send us your story at mystory@summitsa.com and let us know what he's done for you through this ministry. If you'd like to partner with us or bless us with a financial gift, go to summitsa.com and give an amount that works best for you. Now enjoy the message and have a blessed day. Well, Esther chapter 6 this morning. Give me about five extra minutes and I'm going to go fast so you can't take notes because this is it's a pretty it's a pretty broad subject. How to give and receive honor. How to give and receive honor. Esther chapter 6 verse 6. So Haman came in. He's a government official. And the king said to him, what shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? And Haman thought in his own stinking selfish heart, to whom would the king delight to honor more than me? Can you believe that? Wow. Selfish, self-centered, self-seeking. It's an amazing story about a man who was ambitious for honor. And in his attempt to dishonor another man worthy of honor named Mordecai, God used him to honor the man he's trying to dishonor. Then he was hung on the gallows he had built for Mordecai. I love that ending. Don't you ever believe God can't handle your enemies? He's in control. So let me begin by saying, I want Summit to be a house of honor, and I want its foundation to be one of honor. Honor up, honor down, honor all around. We honor you. We honor people. Uh, we, we, honor, we want families to be honored. Make your home, make your office, make your business a place of honor, a place of reputation, integrity, ethic, ethics, honor, and, and respect for, for human beings. Ephesians 6.8 says, whatever good you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. It's that old golden rule and sowing and reaping thing. So let's take a look at what honor is. Honor is manifested respect. It's manifested esteem or worth or value. And it can be manifested, meaning to be made public, in many ways. Public recognition, badges, titles, money, or substance. Now, in our day and culture, there is an attempt to destroy the honor of others in order to increase our own honor. We watch it in politics all the time. Everybody else trying to dishonor so that they can be honored, correct? No matter what affiliation you have, we see it all the time. Now, the Bible says God is the source of all honor. We see that God honored His Son, Jesus. He said all honor, all glory, all power, all authority has been given to the Son. I mean, that's pretty much all of it right? In 1 John 5, Jesus says, unless you honor me, you cannot honor God the Father. In 1 Samuel 2 verse 30, God says, those who honor me, I will honor. So God is honorable and God gives honor. Now, when God gives us honor, we become stewards of that honor. When God gives you wealth, when God gives you influence, when God gives you power, gives you position, if you're a believer, you're a steward of that. God's going to hold you accountable for how you use what he gave you. So God has the right to tell us to whom we should honor. Well, I don't like him. That's too bad. If God says you honor him, you honor him. Right? It doesn't mean you agree with them. 
but it means you will do what God said. And so he taught us to honor him, the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, honor your parents, and that one comes with the promise that you may live long upon the earth. As I get older, that sounds really good to me. It says to honor your grandparent, wives, the aged, rulers, and the servants of God. So, what you will discover is that whatever we cease to value, you lose it. If you cease to value wisdom, you lose it. You just end up with stupid. If we cease to honor age, it becomes a thing disrespected. But throughout the Bible, the gray hairs, uh, I can see a few out there. And some of you have dyed it. Okay, but anyway, <laughs> was a thing of honor and esteem and respect. If you cease to honor excellence, you'll get sloppy. You'll get mediocre. You'll lose it. But if you honor iniquity, you'll have that. If you honor rebellion, you'll have that. If you honor disrespect, that's what you'll get. You'll get it in your home. You'll get it in your office. You'll get it in your church. So what we honor, we have. What we dishonor will move away from you in a minute. So it's up to us to establish what's important and see that we honor the right things. We honor human life because humans are created in the image and likeness of God. May I remind a lot of you, squirrels are not, deer are not, the one I hit the other night is not created in the image and likeness of God. I didn't lose sleep over it and I had a good supper. That's different than a human being. So that's why we honor human life and the dignity of human life. So to be honored, there are certain basic requirements that have to be met since God is the one who establishes the basis of honor. That makes sense. Proverbs 15, verse 31 through 33. Look at some of these conditions, and then I'll alliterate them. He whose ear listens to life-giving reproof, that's correction, will dwell among the wise. He who neglects discipline hates himself, but he who listens to reproof acquires understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom, and before honor comes humility. So let's take a little breakdown quickly of some conditions for God's honor. Number one, fear of the Lord and humility. The fear of the Lord produces humility, and humility is a basis for being honored. If you fear God, you can humble yourself before God. And in humbling ourselves, we become candidates for His honor. Here's what He says in Luke 14. He that exalts himself will be brought down, but he that humbles himself shall be exalted. So God says, if you don't do what you do, which is to humble yourself, I'll do your job for you. I don't want Him to do my job for me. I'll just... Yes, sir, Lord, I'll do it myself. And then God says, if you'll humble yourself, I'll exalt you. And nobody can stop that when God decides to do it. So before honor comes, there must humi be humility. Proverbs 22, verse 4. The reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Wow, pretty good, huh? As long as you fear God more than you fear people or your peer group, you'll always come out the winner. Joseph was propositioned by Potiphar's wife, and he feared Potiphar, but he feared God more. And it was the fear of God that preserved him. He said, how can I do this great evil and sin against God? I mean, he feared Potiphar, but when he thought about God, he thought there ain't no comparison. 
I think I'll take a pass, sweetheart. You can be a desperate housewife to somebody else, but I ain't going to ruin my career. I was just thinking about it. I mean, I mean, Christians sort of leave out the good stuff, you know I mean? The Bible indicates Joseph was, was, a, was a, buffy, a buff guy, a hot guy. And she, it, anyway, okay. I'm th- I mean, it wasn't any easier for him than it would be for you, right? You ain't going to tempt me with somebody 85 years old on crutches or a walker. Are you kidding me? Ugly not going to tempt me. Okay. Daniel was told by the king not to pray, and I'm sure he feared the king, but he feared God more than the king, and God preserved him. The three Hebrew children were told, bow down to a golden idol, and they feared the king because of the fiery furnace, but they feared God more than they feared the king or the furnace, and God preserved them. I hope you get it. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. I fear the Lord. It's a healthy fear. Now, there is a wrong kind of a fear, that kind of a fear that's satanic. It has torment. But the fear of God is a reverence that produces obedience, and that is good. All the great men and women of Scripture had the fear of God and were humble, not weak, but meek. Moses murdered a man with his bare hands. He was called a humble man, a meek man, not a weak man. So don't confuse humility with weakness. And God took these people from their humble state and exalted them. Second condition for God's honor, righteousness. Now, when I say righteousness in a religious meeting, everybody thinks about what you wear, drinks, don't do, uh, whether you have uh, short skirt, long skirt, uh, legalism, uh, uh, holiness. And when I even hear that word, I freak out because I know everybody's going to associate it with a whole bunch of rules. Righteousness is really, in our vocabulary, right living. That's all, right living, righteousness. Proverbs 14, 34, right living or righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. So the fear of God produces right living. Righteousness is obedience to God that brings us into a right relationship with God and causes us to have peace and joy. Anybody in for that? Yeah, I'd like a little of that. Paul writes the Romans in chapter 14, the kingdom of God is not food and drink and meat, It's not a, the kingdom of God is not what you wear or don't wear or eat or drink. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So when the government, the rule, the kingdom of God is in my heart, there's going to be right living, and there's going to be peace, and there's going to be joy. You're going to be a pleasant person. If I have it in my home, if I have it in our church, righteousness, peace, and joy. That's evidence that the kingdom of God is among us. Not because I don't do this or I don't do that. Paul makes it quite clear. So, when we begin to obey God in our personal and family life with our neighbor, God begins to honor that. Proverbs 21, 21. I told you you can't take notes. It's just too much here. He who pursues righteousness and mercy, King James says, that word is loyalty, finds life, righteousness, and honor. Jesus put it this way, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So don't seek things, seek seek right living and things will be given to you. He who seeks righteousness, right living, will find honor. 
So if we meet God's standard as a nation, if we just do it, and as individuals, we could have some things that we've been looking for and couldn't find. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Old truck driver song. In the years America honored God as a nation, we possess 60% of the world's wealth invested among 7% of the world's population. We're only 7 to 10% of the whole world's population, yet we had 60% of the world's wealth. Now, that's pretty interesting. God honored us as a nation. In recent decades, as we've continued to decline in our spiritual commitment to God, now we're about third in per capita income in the world. So one reason is we've lost our cutting edge because we're missing the foundation for honor, which is right living. The basis of honor is the fear of the Lord, humility, righteousness, and wisdom. This is about Solomon, 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 11. And God said to Solomon, because it was in your heart not to ask for riches, wealth, honor, or the life of your enemies, neither have you asked for long life, but you've asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may judge my people over whom I've made you king. In other words, God, God did all the promoting here, as you can see. Wisdom and knowledge is going to be granted to you. And I will throw in riches and wealth and honor such as no king has had before you or will have after you. Wow. God loaded Solomon down with riches and honor because as a wise man, he could trust him with riches and honor. Honor can be abused just like money. Uh, can you be trusted? That's a pretty good can you be trusted with power? Can you be trusted with money? Can you be trusted with great responsibility? Many people won't ever get it because they simply can't be trusted. And what you need to work on is not how much to get, but how much can I be trusted? If I can't be faithful with a little, God says you're going to be unfaithful with much, and you don't actually realize it, but I'm preserving your life. You watch people that win $300 million who are already in a mess, and they end up dead or in jail. Because the problem wasn't the money. The problem was them. And so you need wisdom to handle this. Okay? All right. Paul told Timothy, lay, lay hands suddenly on no man. Because in laying on of hands for an office in church or responsibility, it's an act of honor as well as giving them authority. And you want to make sure this person is a right living person. He's loyal. He's got integrity. He can be trusted. Wisdom. Wisdom is the third condition for honor. So for God to give us riches and honor, we have to be wise in the use of it. Wisdom is a foundation for honor. If you give a man or a woman, give them anything, something, and they don't know what to do with it, they won't keep it very long. So wisdom is a basis for honor and riches. So to have honor, fear of the Lord, righteousness, wisdom, and number four, loyalty. Proverbs 21, 21. This is the New American Standard. He who pursues righteousness and loyalty finds life, righteousness, and honor. So loyalty and righteousness go hand in hand because righteousness, right living, is relational because it involves people, and loyalty is required to keep relationships intact. Loyalty is a biblical basis for honor. God honors loyal people. Uh, the, the, I've heard love defined many, many ways, but I'll give you what I think is the best one. Uh, the best definition of love is not affection. It's loyalty. Affection is going to be based on your mood. 
And that's going to be shifting all the time. And all the old people said, amen. <laughs> but loyalty is not based on how, I, uh, how my mood is. It's my character. If I give you my word, it stands, no matter how I feel, even to my own personal hurt or loss. And when God says, I will never leave you or forsake you, he means it. You said, well, I was really bad, Rick. He's not going to leave you. He's loyal. He can be trusted. And God says, that's a foundation for honor. Are you loyal? My wife would probably, I don't know, you could interview her after the service, would probably be more inclined after 43 years of marriage, me to be loyal to her, uh, uh, more so if she ranked it on affection. Y'all. Sometimes you can't get it all. I mean, sometimes. But one thing that means a lot as you get out of the youthful lust is, uh, can I count on you? Have you got my back? Can I trust you, right? I want somebody loyal. I want somebody on our board here with me, loyal. I want people, my friends, to be loyal because I'm going to be loyal to you even when you don't deserve it. That's exactly what God says. So that's a basis of God honoring you. God honors loyal people. Oh, this is going to scare you. In the book of Genesis chapter 11, there's a mighty man of war named Jephthah. He's recruited by Israel to fight their enemies. He made a vow to God that if the Lord would give him victory in war, he would sacrifice to the Lord as a burnt offering the first thing that came out of his house to meet him. And unfortunately, it was his only daughter that came out to meet him. In verse 35, in distress, he says, for I have given my word to God and I cannot go back on it. Wow, that's pretty impactful. Now remember, in the book of Judges, this is not a sanction for a human offering. It was a day in which there's no word, there's not much knowledge of God, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. Are you with me? And God used what was there. And so this great warrior says, I'll give you God whatever comes out of my house of value first. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 4 says, when you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it. For he, God, has no pleasure in a fool. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. So Jephthah, we're told, is an honest judge in Israel, a great military leader. He was used mightily by God to deliver Israel from their enemies. And while what he did was an unacceptable thing, the fact that he valued his word, his loyalty, and his honor to his people and to God was a good thing, an honorable thing. And if you're not sure... Look in the New Testament book of Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith, and old Jephthah is right there. God put him there because God wants us to see what a premium he puts on loyalty to your word. I'll pay you on Friday, uh-huh. And that's even among Christians. You know, you, my grandfather in the 40s said you could borrow money at the bank on a handshake. <laughs> Try that now. Now you need like three corporate attorneys, and it's still not a guarantee that you're going to get your money. If you tell a man you'll do something, you do it. And I've lost money to my own man. Hurt when I gave my word and things that I didn't do that I was not responsible for cost me. But I kept my word, and I thought, I thought that, you know, the enemy will talk to you when you're not sure you can hear God. The enemy will always talk to you. And I, I remember thinking, you'll never recover from this. You'll never get that back. That's never been true. 
It's always, I've always come out ahead on the deal. But I had the same thought you'd probably have. Like, oh, this is terrible. I ought to to just shade the truth a little bit. I ought to just not do something that's right. Uh, Those thoughts always cross your mind. I don't care how spirit-filled you are. They cross your mind. But I didn't, and we did the right thing. And as a result, all through life, God's always come through. So God puts a premium on you keeping your word. So if you say you're going to do it, by golly, you do it. Even my parents and grandparents were military would make me say, if you told them you'd be there for six weeks, you'll be there for six weeks. If you said, I'll sign up to serve in that group with chosen, you'll be there unless you die. You'll be there. It's that simple. I'm telling you, you got to put this in kids. If they give their word, they're going, well, I don't want to go today. You're going. You instill it now. Don't wait till they're 40. Right? Y'all got to help me a little bit. All right. Even if you're not doing it, you ought to agree with it. So loyalty is a basis of honor. God wants to uphold honor. He wants us to put a high premium, a high value on loyalty. It has everything to do with the covenant nature of God. Micah 6, verse 8. He has shown us, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of thee, but to do justice and to love mercy or loyalty and to walk humbly with your God. Mercy is loyalty manifested. The act of mercy is God in us manifesting itself to other people. The mercy of God in us being manifested to people who don't deserve it. A disloyal man or woman is usually an unmerciful person. God honors loyalty. One more illustration. In Jeremiah 35, we have a generation of people called the Rechabites. Their father was Rechab. He's been long since dead for decades. Their father, though we don't know why, in Jeremiah 35, told his kids and family, don't drink any wine forever. We don't know why. Wine was perfectly acceptable. It was part of the Hebrew culture. There was nothing wrong with it. It was used by God to indicate blessing and favor. Your vats shall overflow with new wine. But somehow, this father made that statement to his family. And they refused to drink it even in the presence of the king. And when you in that culture went into the king invited, you did not abstain from his food or beverages because if you insulted the king, it was dishonorable and you could be executed. And yet they refused to drink the wine. So God looks down on this generational loyalty to a father who's long been dead and says in verse 18, Jeremiah 35, because you have been loyal and obeyed the commandment of your father, you as a people will never lack a man to stand before me forever. And even to this day in Israel, there's a little group of people called Rechabites. God likes it when we keep our word. Christian, if you're a liar, stop it. Tell the truth and watch God back you up. So loyalty is a basis for honor. The fear of the Lord, righteousness, wisdom, loyalty. And number five, service. Those who serve the Lord meet a condition for honor. John 12, verse 26. If anyone serves me, him, my father, will honor. Those who serve Jesus and minister as ministers of Jesus will be honored by the Father. Now, I believe that includes serving those who serve Jesus. We've got a great team of men and women who serve Cindy and I's leadership in this church, and God says, I will honor you. So God wants us, all people, to serve 
his people. And when we do, he gives us influence and visibility. Hebrews 6 verse 10, God is not unjust to forget your work and labor and love that you've shown him as you've helped his people and continue to help them. So God promises he's not going to forget what you did to help his people or those who serve Jesus. And for the church to be given influence and visibility, she has to shine as a bright light when it comes to service and servanthood. I was talking to Ron Carpenter. I love Ron. You don't know him probably, but he's on TV. Uh, he's, a, he's a powerful guy from Greenville, South Carolina. Well, we hooked up for the very first time out in a, a, a minister's meeting, and he was a guest, a first-time visitor there. And we follow each other on Twitter, and we hooked up. And I mean, brother, we connected. I, I, he, he's rough and tough, and I want to have him, him come and kick the slats out of this pulpit. He's totally different style, but but. He, uh, we guys who watch him in the speaker's line, we love him. And I told him so. And he told me when that flood hit Houston, he said, he said, Rick, I tell you, if that sucker hit up here in Greenville, I'd throw the doors of our church open. I wouldn't care if they put cigarette butts in the seats. I wouldn't care if they wet on the floor. I wouldn't care if they ruined the carpet. I'd claim insurance later and remodel the whole building. I thought, <laughs> I like it. I like this place isn't sanctified in the sense that we couldn't be a, a place if it ever came to a natural disaster, right? We got insurance. It got dirty up the place. Too bad. Dirty it up. That's a good thing. Doing something good is good. We must be a people who obey God, a people who are zealous to keep our relationships right, a people of wisdom, not stupidity and foolishness, and a people of loyalty. A people who serve God, do good, and a people who can receive correction and instruction in right living or righteousness. So those are foundations for receiving honor from God and being honored. Here they are again. Fear of the Lord, righteousness, right living, wisdom, loyalty, serving God, doing good, and receiving correction. So how then do we honor? You have to learn to honor by degree. Honor must be commensurate with value. The Bible says in Proverbs 26, honor is not appropriate for a fool, right? We don't want to honor what is dishonorable in the sight of God. I mean, you wouldn't give an achievement award for being last place. You honor what you want to replicate. So there are ways of honoring and degrees of honoring. Our society has lost its mind when it comes to honoring. We'll pay $100 million to a baseball player and tip God, hoping he won't go broke till next Sunday. We'll neglect our school teachers who shape the thinking of our children and give $100 million to some stupid celebrity. Jennifer Lawrence is an actress. I enjoyed her in... What was the movie? See? Hunger Games. Sorry, Hunger Games. I got too much to remember. Hunger Games. Said, you know, I mean, whether you are pro or against whatever your political affiliation, she said, well, all the hurricanes were a result of electing the wrong person. I, you are a moron. You know, you may or may not like who's in office or not office, but to make that kind of a statement that the, that's because of a political election, you've lost your freaking mind. Absolutely. So our culture will pay her more money. Don't lose your mind. Don't lose your ability to think. And so whatever you honor, you replicate. Whatever you dishonor, you lose. 
And so we'll pay a garbage pickup people more than we pay a school teacher. This is wrong. Absolutely wrong. How many of you are school teachers in here? I'm voting you get a raise, all right? I'm, I'm, tax me. I'm voting you get a raise. Under pressure. So there are degrees of honoring. Listen to Luke 14. When Jesus noticed how all the guests, this is a wedding party. When Jesus noticed how all the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told this parable. When somebody invites you to a wedding feast or a party, don't take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you might have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come to you and say, excuse me, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you'll have to take the least important place. But when you are invited to an event, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, come on up here to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now catch it to the picture. Everybody invited to this wedding party is honored. It's an honor just to be invited. But there are those who are closer to the bride's family and groom's family, and degrees of honor involved. So never seek honor. Just meet God's conditions for honor, and He'll rank you the way He wants to. Psalm 75 says, promotion comes from the Lord, not you taking your rear end over to the best seat. So when I travel abroad, I work on the same. The guys that meet me at the airport in the car, I'll be in Berlin, Germany the end of the month. First thing I do is I'll go to the back seat. Oh, no, they may say, we want you to sit here. I'll go where they tell me. And then we'll have dinner after the meeting in most of these large churches around the world. And, and again, I know the pastor very well or whatever, but I still will wait until they see. They have out-of-town guests. They have visiting ministers. He might have a mentor. I don't know who's there, who those people are. And as a result, I'll wait for him to place me. I don't go place myself. Now, I learned that out of the Bible, right? So don't go... Just because you friends or know somebody or you're invited to their home, you wait and they'll tell you where to sit or, or, move, or you don't want to get moved. You know, you don't want to get moved. You know, there are places reserved in other seats. You don't just go pop your little booty down somewhere you want to because then the ushers may have to move you. You know, if you've got six little children and they're all restless, you don't want to sit on the front row. We don't want to watch them. We love them. We have facilities for them. In fact, we ought to put you out there with them if you can't imagine or think beyond that. They can be, a, and the enemy will use the distraction to keep you from hearing what God wants you to hear. It's that simple. We've raised children too, but I know how to deal with it and take them out. And if they're well behaved, that's fine. That's no big deal to me. I'm just giving you some illustrations about that. Don't seek honor for yourself. Start out at the lowest place and let God and the brothers decide where you belong. Now, human nature is always to go to pride. But God says, in my kingdom, not American culture, in my kingdom, you back off the honor for yourself and let me bring you into it. So don't honor yourself. 1 Timothy 5, verse 17. Let the elders who rule well be worthy of double honor. That referred to wages. 1 Chronicles 4, verse 9, speaking of Jabez, he was more honorable than all of his brothers. So how then do you show honor? Stay with me. We're almost through. 
You can't honor somebody you don't feel honorable towards unless you accept a position of humility. The very nature of honor is to exalt or esteem somebody above yourself. So you have to have a humble attitude in regard to that person or it'll come through in your speech or it'll be picked up in your spirit. So be careful how you talk around your children. You can create a spirit of dishonor among those kids. And when they get the opportunity, they'll manifest it. Even if my teacher was wrong, my military father in the third grade snatched me out of class because I was trading marbles in class. I thought the end of the world had come. I mean, when a big man, 6'4", walks in, 250 pounds, dressed in full uniform, and says, come with me, boy, this is not a good day. This is not a good day. And I'm only in the third grade. But although now, as an adult, knowing my parents knew some of the actions even by a teacher were wrong, he always sided with the teacher. Why? He was trying to instill in me an honor principle. That person's in authority, shut up and say, yes, sir. Say, yes, ma'am. You can argue it some other way. Don't get sassy with the policeman. If a bad policeman does something bad, then he needs to be prosecuted, but you honor those in authority, and I'll do so. Thank our policemen that, uh, that we certainly, we, we hire them, but thank them for staying in a hot sun or rain to direct traffic. I always roll the window down, tell man, thank you, God bless you. Be, be respectful. If a, a politician comes in here, a government official, a city official, I may not have voted, you might not have voted for them, we honor them. We're honoring that office. We may not agree with them, but we honor them. I honor my father. He's 98 years old. I don't agree with him. What a wreck. He's good in military. He's good in money, but he was horrible in family. Okay, so I don't get any advice from him, but if I'm in his prayer, yes, sir. No, sir. I make sure he gets the best. If there's two pieces of pie and one's bigger, he gets that, whether he wants it or not. It's an honor principle. Y'all get that? Okay. You ain't got to like somebody to honor somebody. Acts 28, verse 7. Paul has been stranded and shipwrecked on the isle of uh, what we call Crete now. You know, it was, uh, it was uh, uh, what was the island called? Malta. Malta. Isle of Malta. So they're there. It's raining. It's nasty. And they've been shipwrecked. So there's an estate that belongs to Publius, the chief official of the island. Paul says he welcomed us into his home. He showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this happened, the rest of the sick of the island came and they got cured. Paul says, they honored us in many ways. And when we were ready to leave, they furnished us with supplies that we needed. Two things to notice here. These people on the island had an attitude of respect. Secondly, they manifested respect to honor with substance. They were grateful to Paul. They were grateful to God for coming. And one of the greatest disappointments of ministry is when God does great things and there's little gratitude. So it shows little gratitude for God. Now, honor needs to be substance. Translate your honor into substance. Proverbs 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your substance. Not your lips. With your substance. And the first fruit, which is Leviticus 21, that's the tithe. 
and the first fruit of all your increase, so shall your barns burst out with new wine and your vats will overflow. So God says, honor me with your, is everybody hearing that? Honor me with your, see it's right there in the Bible, substance. Now, respect doesn't have to be substance. I can respect you privately, and you never know it. But you cannot honor privately. Honor has to be manifested, and substance is the practical way of doing so. I mean, what if you were in desperate need? I I was looking on social media, on Twitter, and people were tweeted out, sending out love and good thoughts to those in the hurricane when we had here. And I thought, well, that really helped people. I imagine they'd appreciate food and gas and water and some fresh clothes and some hygienic products, don't you? Sending out good thoughts to those in distress. What the flip would that do? How is that helping anybody, you twit? I put it on Twitter and I just tore it up. Listen to James. This is Bible. You say, well, Rick, you're just being hard. James 2, verse 15. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of food, and you say, go in peace, be warm, be filled, but you don't give them anything, what did it profit? Nothing. Absolutely zip. Nada. Nothing. Words don't fill a hungry belly. I imagine a hungry man would appreciate a generous pagan more than a stingy Christian. Honor the Lord with your substance. That's money and possessions. So respect is an attitude, but honor is substance. In Esther 6, I got the landing gear down. We're coming in on final approach. I told you it's a little bit hard. The king asked Haman, if you were going to honor somebody, Haman, what would you do? And Haman, thinking the king is thinking about him, says, give him your clothes, royal clothes, Armani, uh, Versace, let him ride in the king's Bentley, parade and proclaim his honor through the city and authority. Now, all of those were good things, not bad, but Haman was trying to get them for himself and not be worthy of receiving them. So the king says, great, do that for Mordecai. I'd love to see a video of that. Now, who really did it for Mordecai? God did. God did. Mordecai had been faithful to God and faithful to the king. Now, think about that. You can have a pagan king and still be honorable, faithful, and excellent, and loyal to the king. The only time not is when he says, bow down to an idol. Right? You can serve a heathen king with respect and honor and be trusted more than somebody else who's not even a believer who can't be trusted. And so this guy served a pagan king faithfully. He saved the king from an assassination attempt, exposed it and brought it to the king, and the king forgot about it, never rewarded him, but now God's going to bring it to his memory at the right time. God has not forgotten what you've done, Hebrews 6. All right? So Mordecai's been faithful, and God can turn the heart of a king any way he wants. So God honored Mordecai. God honored the three Hebrew children, even though they got thrown in the fiery furnace. He walked through the fire with them. When they got out, King Nebuchadnezzar promoted them. But who really promoted them? God did. If you don't get promoted, don't blame your people and don't blame your employer. God knows something about you. God can see that you're honored and promoted when you're ready. 
Watch what happens in relationships when your honor becomes tangible. Uh, when Buckner Fanny completed 50 years in retired service to San Antonio, he's in heaven now. We were back in another building. We were debt-free. We were accumulating capital, and it was, a, it was a big deal. He had been a statesman, a very godly and fine man who cooperated with everybody in our city. Just loved him. He came here and stood on this platform when this was just steel and an open window and dedicated this building to Jesus. And we bought him a new car. And we, what were we doing? Honor in that 50 years of service with substance. When Archbishop Patrick Flores was Archbishop and retired in San Antonio, I got this idea, let's honor the Catholic Archbishop for his service to the poor. Now, theologically, I may not agree, but I sure agree with honoring the poor. And his favorite charity was the Battered Women's Shelter, which we had supported anyway. So we wrote many thousands of dollars to a check to the battered women's shelter and presented it to them in his honor and gave him a beautiful Montblanc pen and a leather briefcase. It was amazing the goodwill that created because the Bible says, give honor to whom honor is due, right? That's worthy of honor. So recognition is a means of honoring. Uh, sometimes you could call someone's name. Let's thank Brother Joe for what he did. That's a, that's, a, that's a wonderful thing to do. You'd be surprised what you can do by honoring somebody you can't do by arguing. So there are many ways to honor. Substance, clothes, titles, authority, serving them, deferring to them, stopping at the door saying, you go first. Men used to do that for women when women had a position of honor among men. But because I travel through airports and in cars and taxis all over the world, I'm seeing less of that. My military father, who was not a Christian, Maybe not a good husband, but boy, there were certain disciplines he insisted. Boy, when a woman walks in a room, stand up. If you're going to shake hands with a man, look him in the eye and shake his hand firmly. Don't look down. Anybody military get raised like me, like that? Get your big butt out of the seat when you see that woman on an overcrowded tram going around the airport. Let her have the seat. Watch somebody aged, defer to them, hold the door for them, watch out for them. It's honor. It's honor. And God says it'll come back on you. It's a right. And teach your children to do it. Mamas and daddies, my wife and I are having a fit with our grandkids. We're having a fit with them. All we get is, yeah, no. And we're Southerners. And I'm military. Yes, sir. No, sir. Thank you. Thank you. That's a word I don't hear much. Thank you. What do you say, Ethan? I hope by 40 he gets it. Thank you. Thank you. Make those children say thank you. Make them say yes, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. No, sir. It will put you in good stead. It's not degrading. I don't want to hear some little barky twit kid say yeah. Yeah, my dad would put your head through sheetrock. You said, yeah. <laughs> now, you can deprive people of honor and hurt them. You can misappropriate honor, and it causes pride. You can be unfaithful and lose it. And you can receive it and, out of jealousy, pick up a lot of enemies. But it's biblical to honor and to receive honor. So don't seek honor, 
but God promises to you, if you'll honor what he honors, he will see that honor does come to you. Thanks for joining us today, and may God richly bless you. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.